Welcome back to Main Street Mechies, where we talk about things on Main Street and the surrounding areas. I'm Noah. I'm Alex, and I'm always loving these strong, <laughs> like, coming-ins every time. Coming in hot, screeching in for a stop. So, yeah, it's uh, not a bad way to go. Yeah, you know, we gotta, you know, start off high and then just ride it out for the rest of the, for the, rest of the episode. So, for those of you who have listened to the previous two episodes or just the last episode... First of all, thank you. And uh, second of all, you'll know that this is going to be part two of our cues discussion from the last episode. There, it turns out there was just too much to talk about to fit into one one hour-ish episode. And we learned Wait, that the hard way. I feel like that's definitely something that you can only say about something Disney does because we, <laughs> we're taking two parts to talk about lines. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. a big part of the it's a big part of the experience. You know, you spend most of your time waiting in lines. Got to make sure it's a good experience. Yeah, not everybody, not every theme park uh, <laughs> goes by that logic. But, you know, that's that's why this isn't called Disney or this isn't called a theme park Mechies. It's called Main Street Mechies. So <laughs> what a terrible name that would be. It doesn't even <laughs> there's no alliteration. Yeah, there's no two M's. So from the last episode, we we talked about uh, kind of how the queues in the Disney parks are split up into four kind of discrete categories, going from a simple queue, which is like what you find in Fantasyland, which is just a bunch of switchbacks and there's not a whole lot of theming, all the way up to level four, which is full immersion. You are totally involved in the story and the world is part of the queue and then level three right before that which is a pre-show queue where the line is kind of built into the world there's theming that makes you think you're in the world of the ride and there is also a pre-show that provides context and exposition for the ride and those are the two that we are going to talk about specifically in this episode which i'm very excited about because those are i feel like those are the most fun out of the two of them, because the the other two, one, have probably been talked about to death at this point. Yeah, probably. Just because that's, that's very common in theme parks now to try and do, like, the, the well, the switchbacks are everywhere. And then the, like, minor theming is, is starting to arrive in a lot of places. Uh, but the the last two are something that Disney really, really rocks and is, like, part of their DNA at this point is yeah those two categories so i figure i i think we'll have a lot to talk about on this i think so and and you told me right before we started recording that that you've got kind of your top five for level three and level four is this correct yes yes i do i have it on i mean it's literally just the rides listed which doesn't need its own google doc but you know what it's in there <laughs> And I got That's pulled good. up right next to me, ready and like locked and loaded. Before we jump into that, there was something that you just mentioned in our last episode. And uh, we were talking about why Disney put so much effort into queue design and why they would devote so much time and resources into into something that's not even, you know, technically supposed to be part of the ride. And And you said that it's not really the wait time that matters. It is the perceived wait time from the guest perspective. And that had me thinking, do you think Disney or any of the other theme parks, do you think there exists out there a metric for measuring perceived time in a queue? I I mean, there has to be, right? Because you have to, 
you have to be able to improve on that stat because I feel like that specific metric is the most important thing about RideQ, especially with Disney, because they've made that part of part of their brand and part of their thing is making these lines not feel like lines. And a big part of that is you don't feel like you're waiting. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know, were you able to find anything of like a metric that they used? Or is this like an industry secret? There has to be one. I I tried looking up the, the best I could find was just like an article here and there about like the design of cues in general and the, the kind of like psychology tricks that Disney and, and these other theme parks employ to make you think you're not waiting in line long enough. But like, I couldn't find anything that was just, you know, here's how we collect hard data on the perceived duration of the wait versus the actual duration of the wait. Like, I don't know if, if they just, if Disney just like, here's this cue, it's kind of based on what we've done in the past, which has worked. And we don't receive complaints about how long the wait is. Therefore, you know, it's probably effective. I, I couldn't find anything about like a hard industry tactic to measure that. But right, you, like you've got to think there's got to be some way they, they know like, oh, adding this element improves perceived weight by this much or something like that. Yeah, well, especially because a lot of the lines end up having similar elements added into them over time. Like if you look like, for example, the pre-show. It, there is a point in time in which pre-shows started becoming a thing and then everything had them like mm -hmm. th there was a test and then there was an implementation i almost wonder if instead of treating it because you and i are engineers we immediately go to a metric that you can like put on an excel sheet and turn into a graph <laughs> i think i think that is where you hit your efficiency portion because you can you can do wait times and you can do cycles per guest or like how many guests per cycles you can do those on the engineering terms i almost wonder if the metric for perceived wait time just stays in the psychological like psychology realm and instead of like developing a metric for it it might be like a series of a lot of metrics because they have cameras in the line like in the ride queues I almost wonder if they have people that, that study that data and be like, okay, how often are people just like on their phones? How often are people like not actually looking around? Do we, do we have a lot of people like pointing stuff out and having conversation? Does it look like they're having conversations about the line cues or are they interested in what's going on? Mm -hmm. I, I almost wonder if it's something more like that. It's a good question, because the, the only thing I could think of was like, okay, you send, you know, n number of test guests through your queue while you're doing testing with no phone, no watch, like nothing to keep track of time, and just ask them afterwards, like, how long do you think you were in line for? And see how far off it is from how long they were in line for. But that's that almost feels too, like, concrete. Jane. Yeah, like, it, I would almost say that's almost too janky. Like that, right, that relies it, yeah, a lot on it, up, like it's very objective, right? But I mean, isn't that the goal of Q design is to to access that kind of like objective side of how the guest is experiencing everything and just make them think? Like I don't know, maybe there is something, and it's a well guarded industry secret, and we don't know about it because, as far as I know, the only Q monitoring Disney does is 
every now and then when they you know send someone through with that little red tag and they're like give this to the operator at the front when you get on the ride so we can track times mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know there's just something i'm thinking about yeah no i mean that's a that's a good thought um anybody listening from now until the end of time <laughs> if you know please tell us because that i had never thought of that like how they actually measure that but they they have to because yeah. i mean they they've improved on it and they've improved on it consistently over time Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i've ever i don't know if any of the recent rides i wouldn't call any of the the cues a necessary like like a flop especially on their big time attractions like they consistently get better yeah yeah and you you don't you can't do that every time without some form of data yeah, if, if any of you listening know or know someone who might know that, hit us up. We would love the info because that is a that is black magic going yeah, on right there. Disney that magic. Disney, even worse, Disney <laughs> magic. <laughs> even harder to figure yeah, out. Even more obscure. <laughs> All right. Do you want to take us into the first of your, your top five for level three? All right. All right. Now, this is one where I know a big part of level three, when you described it, was the pre-show. Mm-hmm. I'm glad when you mentioned that the that there's also the line takes you kind of into the ride a little bit, because there are a couple of these that do not have a pre-show, and so I will have to argue that they are part of level three. Okay. But we're gonna we're gonna go through. It's gonna be very. Let's just say, out of five, three of them don't have a necessary <laughs> pre-show. I mean that that's fair. Pre-show, <clears throat> it, it, it's it's a terrible name for the category, and it was just you know it's up for debate. So that's what this is it, all about. It's a good name. It captures what it is. Like it was very easy to find these, but the the pre-show element itself is. I'm noticing hard, harder to match than it seems, especially for like a top five, because there okay. was rides where I knew they belonged on that top five, but they didn't have a pre-show, and the ones that would have replaced them with a pre-show did not belong anywhere near that ride. Or huh. Yeah. So anyways, without further ado, for number one, and then after this, I'll just roll through them. Number one, Soren. Either over California or over the world. Either one. Huh. I put that down as number one. I, I can see by your face. I'm gonna have to uh I'm gonna have I'm to not- argue this one <laughs> a little bit. Well well let's roll through all of them okay. and then we'll, we'll touch number back on that. Number two, one of the ones without a pre show, Expedition Everest. Number okay. three, Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. Number four, Test Track. Ooh, okay. And number five, the Disney World Toy Toy Story Mania. Because why Be- why just that one? So I have ridden both. Okay. The Toy Story Mania on Paradise Pier is a lot more open to Paradise Pier. Like a chunk of that line is just kind of outside and switchbacks. Yeah. In Disney World the entire pretty much the entire line takes place in andy's room at the oh. size of a toy okay so like you're walking next to giant crayons and playing cards put up into like 
structures. Oh, okay. And you're, you're in a room, cool. and it is extremely immersive. Okay, yeah, I have not seen that cue, so that's why I ask. That's Definitely look that one up. So I can tell I'm definitely going to have to justify number one and number two. What was number two, Expedition Everest? Everest. So I think before we get into the nitty-gritty... There was like a, a key difference. Okay, so like the name of the game is is figuring out which ones fit in three and four. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should make sure we're clear on two. So level two from from last time is an environmental queue where there's no direct interaction between the ride, kind of like the world and the guest, but the queue is themed to the environment of the world, and you are typically observing the ride from like a third person point of view, but not always. Right, right. Yeah. So here, and I remembered that, and that's why these are kind of kind of in the middle there, but, so, and that's the same for Pirates, too, because I watched your face on that one. So here is my justification for Expedition Everest and Pirates of the Caribbean being on right. this list. Make your case. So Expedition Everest, the story of the ride is you are going on an exploration to find the yeti right right if you go through the queue in that ride it is actually telling a history of the yeti and the explorers that have interacted with it and the amount of like small details that are in that queue and all of the displays tell like a very distinct story that is really cool and something that i don't see a lot of disney rides do where not only is it like giving the vibe because once you go through that queue like you have a feeling of tension kind of going through seeing like all these footprints and gashes and stuff like that but then also having like the newspaper articles and the history of the yeti as a creature and it's in it's influence in mythology and all that kind of stuff i feel like adds into this almost like you're researching and then you're going you're making your way through and then finally after you've done all this research and all this stuff about this expedition you've also been given the warnings of what happened to the people before you and then you're being put on a train and like there you go and (laughs) that i feel like it sucks you in more than like the other rides that are on the level two and so that's why i upped it to level three let me let me stop you right there. I completely agree. I was hesitant at first because I was thinking like, there's no hard and fast pre-show, but the ride is a first person ride. You are the person experiencing this ride. And also, yeah, that cue has like, like is probably just like a history lesson in and of itself. Like the work and effort that went into putting together all of the stuff in that cue is amazing and yeah there's there's like the whole story of like the expedition company the old what was it like a tea company that the expedition company took over there's like the tour shack like the tourist gear shack okay you've i i can buy into that one because yeah as soon as i remembered that yeah that's a first person ride and okay yeah that belongs in three that is a significant step above probably like a comparable ride that is level two i would say is like thunder yeah like similar ride like they're both roller coasters similar kind of theming but i think yeah 
uh, Everest really takes you into the ride's world that one step further than Thunder does. Okay, mm-hmm. so Soren. Soren. Okay, do I have to justify that it's on this list or well, that it's number one? I have a... So is it... I've, I never went on the Soren in, in Epcot. Is there, what's the pre-show situation like? Like, is there, is there still a Patrick Warburton video that yes, plays? You still get talked to by Kronk. Okay. So. Cool. So that's the pre-show. The reason why I put it at number one is because, and now the thing is, this is going to be a very objective one because I know for a fact, some people do not like this cue for this exact reason. <laughs> Uh-oh, hot take coming in. So, the queue for Soren, I believe it's the same for both, is modeled off of like an airline hangar. Like yes. it's very metallic, it's very like you got you got kind of like the Delta neon logos kind of like going around, <laughs> you know, cuz the airlines haven't like figured out that neon was left in the 80s. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. And so you got all that going around. And <clears throat> one of my favorite things about that queue was how much it reminded me of, like, actually going to the airport. Like, you got the the weird carpet that seems to only exist in airports <laughs> is in those queues. And j- just the metallic feel. You feel like you're in a hangar. The lights going down the aisleways when you walk in the lights are down as you go and sit on your seats and uh, sit in your seats and kind of go up and then on top of that just having like the simulator experience coming off or coming into that and then going out of it i feel to me it was one of like the best pre-show cues just because the whole time it got you ready for the experience that you were going to be having like, yeah. you you got on that experience ready to, to go for a flight. And that's that's what it was supposed to be. There's probably some some bias, because Soren is probably one of my favorite rides. And I've said that about a lot of rides. But <laughs> the ride definitely influences it a lot. But the ride is fantastic. And I feel like the queue really gears directly into its theme. And then the... the I love the pre-show. I, I think... Who they casted for the pre-show definitely helps. Oh yeah. Um, but it's it, I don't know. It it just feels it feels like you're getting ready for a flight you're going through, but not like the the crappy parts of going to the airport, like security. <laughs> just the the fun like walking walking into into your gate and like getting ready for the travel. Like that kind right. of excitement is very active in the queue, and in my opinion. So, kind of side question. Do you also get excited just about the idea of going to an airport to fly somewhere? Yes. The airport aspect is is chef's kiss of the trip. And that is like, I only know the one in Disneyland, but the queue sounds like is very similar for Soren there. It's like definitely modeled off after a hangar. You've got lots of just like airline aviation history facts all over the walls. Everything just kind of reads like airfield, airport. You are descending into the bowels of the operation because you are going to fly out of here next. And okay, I'm on board now. Okay. I, because this also, this 
Soren doesn't belong in level two. No, there's, no, no, no. There's no, too no, much no. effort. There's too much like story and, and exposition and like first person focus theming. Yeah. Okay. I can I can buy into that one. So Pirates is my next one, isn't Pirates. It? Pirates. Alright. I'm okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna oh just bump my mic sorry <laughs> listeners. We're getting heated, it's alright. Oh yeah, we're we're getting into it. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna win this with not even not even justifying. I'm just gonna do it this way, okay? Go for it. I want it. you to close your eyes. Okay. I want you away f- now back away from your microphone a little bit because I don't want to do this to the listeners. This isn't ASMR. Okay, you're good now, you're good. Okay. So you're getting on the boat. You start to hear the music, the do 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 do, like the low music after you've gone through the really awesome cue through the dungeon. You can feel the stones. The stones have a little bit of waxiness on them to make it feel like the mildew. You see the cannonballs around you, and then you take a nice long sniff of the air. <sighs> now come back to the mic and tell me if you smelled it. <laughs> Tell me if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I even, I even have you heard of Have you heard of Magic Candle Company? Um, I have one currently coming to my house. Which one did you get? I don't know. We uh, oh. for Miranda's birthday, we got her uh, the the subscription box. Ooh, nice! And so every month we get a new one. Oh, that's and fun. It's yeah, you never know what you're gonna get. Uh we've gotten Mickey waffles, we've gotten the uh flight of passage one, which was awesome. Um <laughs> Yeah, we've gotten uh the Orange Groves was the one that came oh, in last month. I have purchased one and it was the Splash Mountain one. Mm. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's the same scent they use for that one and well no, the one for pirates is like Burning Town. I think that's the name of the scent. Yeah. <laughs> but that smell and so it sounded like you were describing the magic kingdom pirates the well so i i've been on both right i thought that they still had like the the stone coming in for the disneyland one they've like right at the start of the ride the line goes back a little bit farther but don't they still kind of have like that that art like that inside building when you get it's a lot shorter isn't it the the queue yeah yeah it's, it's mostly the, outside isn't it shoot okay the queue is it's like all in that little courtyard out front and then you get in and there's just like a quick hallway to the loading platform but it still worked because i have been on pirates in magic kingdom the queue is immaculate compared to the queue in disneyland luckily you know Disneyland's Pirates is superior. Oh, Kingdoms, Disneyland's Pirate is so much better. It's I will like not the, argue with that. It's 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 sad, but but still, they got that really good cue, and I just picture like the Bayou scene in Disneyland, hearing the banjo music and the Bayou ambiance, and then mm. like smelling the water, hearing the water. I don't know if I'm convinced that it should be in level three though. Because that just sounds like really good environmental theming. That's fair. That's fair. That was my only one that I was a little iffy about, too. I definitely think it was in... I should. It should have been number five, if anything. <laughs> um, I mean... I put it up f- a little bit too high. But To be fair, though, the queue for Pirates in Magic Kingdom is pretty immersive in terms of theming. And, like, you 
you experience the story as you start from outside and walk in. Like, there's a very clear series of events that lead you to, like, okay, I'm on the outside of this, like, fort castle-looking thing. Now I'm kind of in, like, the main living areas. Now I'm in the dungeon. Now I'm, like, whoa, now I'm down here. What's going on? So I, I can see how that would be there. With like Don't a necessarily agree with it. Asterisk next to yeah. it. I, but also, I don't know, like, what makes it better than environmental? I think for me, for me, the stuff, because it's, it's really hard, because environmental in- includes stuff like, like Big Thunder, like Seven Dwarves Mine Train in Disney World would also follow, uh, fall under the environmental. Yeah. Um, I think it even, it, it, I think Incredicoaster was a level two. Yeah. Yeah, to me, so. the 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 queue for pirates, the the Magic Kingdom queue for pirates, uh-huh. just by the fact that the the lighting is so well done that you when you walk in there during the middle of the day, there is like a little bit of like mental screw up that happens when you leave because it's like oh it's not nighttime like. You, you get yeah. it. You, it slowly darkens you into this dungeon, and you slowly walk down into the boats where the lighting's completely different. Like that place looks the same, yeah, during the day as it does at <laughs> night. And uh, it just seems it, it seems like such a step above, like an Incredicoaster or even like a like a Big Thunder. That right. it, but it, I might have just. I think instead, it's probably just the top of the number. And like in the top few of the number two. You know, now that you talk about it, though, I'm thinking like, I think what puts it above level two is that it pulls off that that fade from real life to ride life so effectively and like gradually that it's it's hard to notice. Whereas with like Thunder or or even Space Mountain, really, it's like there's a very clear line drawn like here is outside world you cross this line now you're on like now you're in big thunder like you were just hanging out in frontier land cool and now you are on this this mountain now you are about to get on a mine train whereas with pirates it's like very gradual you you see the architecture that puts you in that mindset lighting starts bright slowly gets dimmer the sounds kind of like fade from outside sounds to like you know, dungeon, water dripping, the music, those kind of sounds. So I can, I can sign off on that one. I think okay. you've you've convinced me. I, I think I put it in the wrong spot on my top five. I think it definitely should be number five. <laughs> uh, well, so what are the other two? Uh, it was Test Track and, and Toy Story Mania. I think it probably goes below below those two because it's, it's the Disney World Toy Story Mania. Um, right. And I, I heavily, heavily applaud that one. And Test Track, the new the new Test Track with the designing the cars and all that kind of stuff yeah. that you can do is just a ton of fun and unique. And so that's that's why that one made the list. Because even though it's not like really immersing you in a world, like you get you get very into like designing the cars and like beating your family members <laughs> with your car it's it, it it sells you real fast and that one is just a really cool cue that i i think really gets you in the mood for the ride and so man i gotta ride that ride i didn't get to ride it the last time i went and because the wait was like uh, 120 minutes or something oh, and... it, it has been a hundred like it is a standard long time wait and it doesn't help that 
because the ride is very not finicky it's it's weather finicky yeah like because they can't it can't (laughs) operate when when it rains right because the the cars can't go on that track when it's slick and so there is a very real chance that you might be in line and then it flash rains and you're stuck and it really sucks or you might have a fast pass coming up or something like that yeah i can't tell you how many times i have not been able to get onto that ride but the real trick and this is a this is a insider tip Ooh, people. everyone get closer everyone scoot in. yeah yeah get, get real close to your to your headphone i don't know how yeah. that works but you know <laughs> you can try um what you really do is you walk in through the entrance to like the gift shop you go into their like interactive area you walk up to one of the kiosks you design your car before you get on and then you jump in single rider Ooh. that way you design your car you can still scan it in and have fun but you only wait like 20 minutes that's a next level yep. move you just jump right in i have not waited in the actual line for test track in the last like <laughs> probably pretty much since the year it came out because wow. it took forever yeah and you would rather get a you would rather get a fast pass to soren right sure um and so especially when you can just sneak on the single rider and it's great <laughs> it's fantastic you can ride that thing like three times if you want to that's great i gotta keep that in mind the next time i'm there yeah keep keep it in mind that's a good one well i you know what i at first i was hesitant about your level three top five but i bought into it i think the level four top five will be much less divisive i really all right well then let's get into level four before some of these i've not ridden but that was required because of what they are you you know what i know you're i know what you're talking about yeah all right so number one to no surprise it's gonna be rise of the resistance yeah effectively wrote the book on an immersive cue and an immersive experience or rewrote the book because there was rides that did it before it and then it drop kicked those rides out the window (laughs) it really did yeah so Again, have not written it, but I just know. You know enough. I know know. enough to know that it did this. Yeah. Number two, I'm putting Flight of Passage. Okay, yeah. The the transition, for me, what really sold it into number two is how well the Imagineers did the transition from natural to, like, the scientific research facility. You you yeah. watch a very you watch as the nature recedes into like the industrial. And that's a really cool transition. And it's it's not run down either, which is really neat, but Right. That's like and that's not easy to do when your whole land is themed about nature and outdoors, which is kind of like the opposite of like cold, hard, scientific, like metallic, industrial. So the fact that they pull that off is impressive. Yeah, it's it's a it's an impressive cue. Would highly recommend it to anybody. And that whole world is fantastic, but the the cue for that just adds to it. Number three, Smuggler's Run. So you haven't ridden this, correct? I have not. What have you seen of the cue? So because of Behind the Ride and because mm-hmm. of Imagineering Story. I've seen a decent chunk of the queue, and 
one part of that really sells this is the iconicness of the Millennium Falcon and actually being able to go on it. But the real thing that I think makes this queue like full out level four immersion is how they did the ride vehicles. So for anybody who does not know this, it's so good. Tell them, tell them, Alec. <laughs> it's so the good. Ri- the ride vehicles are made to make you feel like you're the only one in the Millennium Falcon. They have a series of rotating pods that kind of like click and rotate as people are going through the ride. And so when you are boarding, you are the only group boarding. And then you will go in kind of this circle as you go about the story of the ride until you hit the leaving section in which you will be the only people leaving. You don't realize you've moved and they can have... They have, I think, three or four of these rotating pods to just cycle people through. You don't realize you've moved. You just feel like you boarded and you left the same ship. And it fully, like, encapsulates the feeling of piloting the Millennium Falcon. Because could you imagine how much of, like, a kill that would be to pilot them and like walk in pilot the millennium falcon you piloted the millennium falcon and then watch out walk out and there's like 17 other people exiting the millennium falcon <laughs> it would kill it right the there. ship like, got really big all of a sudden that's weird yeah yeah no it's it would kill the immersion right there and that one that technology is revolutionary because it it maximizes the storytelling experience and maximizes efficiency because they can just cycle people through that and like it it makes it easy also to control on crowd levels because they can slow down the ride if something happens like they can slow down the cycles and keep people kind of controlled it is the perfect like one of the best imagineering aspects of a queue because it truly blends that efficiency and that storytelling like perfectly the first time, actually, the only time I've ridden Smuggler's Run, it's so trippy to get on the ride in a hallway, and you know how the hallway looks. You just walk, it's like a dead-end hallway with a door at the end, and you walk in and you're in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And then you get off, and it is a completely different hallway in that it now has, like, it looks like the ship has been damaged. Like, there's, like, sparks in some areas and, like, torn-up wall panels and I was so confused the first time I wrote. I was like, there's no way this is the same hallway. What's going on? And then I found this. And, and just in case like the image isn't clear enough, I pulled up the, the patent image that Disney filed for this technology. So on each turntable, there are seven Millennium Falcon pods. There are four turntables in the whole ride area. So that's 28 different parties of people can experience the ride at the same time, which is just like, for a simulator ride, that's nuts. That also creates like a personal experience for each group. Like, also there's, have you, I'm guessing you've seen the uh, Honda Honda Accord animatronic. Have you seen any videos of him? I don't think so, no. The, I, th- I thought he was in Imagineering Story. His real name's Honda Onaka, but like he's the... He does the pre-show. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen, I've seen him. I like to call him Honda Accord. <laughs> just, it's easier to remember. That thing is, that thing is amazing. That's like one of the smoothest animatronics I've ever seen, and it's entertaining and amazing because you're so close to an incredible animatronic. But, but yes. I, long story short, good choice. <laughs> yeah, the, the only, 
I think the only reason that that didn't beat Flight of Passage is because I think it definitely, the, the cue definitely borrows a little bit from it's Star Wars and that's amazing. But just it, the the Flight of Passage cue, just its transition, just it, it puts it above it. And especially when you just just look at the queue, the ride technology is amazing and, and how they interact that with the queue. But that, that's why I hit number three, but it was super close. I switched those two about five times before we started. <laughs> All right. Number four. And this is probably the only des- decisive one that will be on here. Okay. Tower of Terror, the original one. And so here's here's my reasoning for this one. It is not third person. It is first person. You are entering the Twilight Zone. Second thing is the queue itself, both the outside and the inside of the queue, is probably one of the most unique queues that I think Disney has done, just because it's so far out of their normal scope. It is genuinely creepy. The cast members (laughs) definitely help, but it is genuinely creepy. And just some of the, the details on it are just so cool just looking around. It looks like a like a rundown hotel from the golden age of Hollywood. Like it captures that vibe so well. I first of all, I love like Guardian's Mission Breakout. It is a very fun ride. I miss having a Tower of Terror on the West Coast just because the theming, like the old rundown hotel theming, and then like the boiler room after the pre-show, oh, used to like legitimately scare me as a child. Like the giant like furnace with that look like an angry face, and and you've got like just the ambiance of like the the creepy sounds and like the machinery kind of whirring. Like it's a genuinely creepy environment. And then at the at the Tower of Terror in uh, Hollywood Studios. That carries through from like the second you step foot in the queue all the way to the end of the ride. That theming is strong and consistent. You're talking about it scaring it's... you when you were a kid. It scares me to this day as a grown man. <laughs> like that that boiler room, the suspense as you... Because I don't know if you know this, they pump in the sounds of screaming. When you hear screams, it's not the it's not from the tower it's not close enough for you to actually be able to hear somebody scream. They pump in the sounds. Like there is a recording. Like there's a mic. No, no, no. They have like, Oh, like they have pre-recorded screams screams so that you can hear, hear people scream on the elevators. It's terrifying. Okay. The suspense built by watching your elevators, little uh, floor indicator move up and down like that alone scared me just like knowing like i because i remember the first time i went on that i was so scared i thought the pre-show room was the actual ride and that like the floor <laughs> was gonna drop out from beneath us or something <laughs> i was happy that wasn't it but then i was scared because there was more scary but like the just yeah the the tension building in that queue is like second to none because it's just like creepy tension borderlining on fear the whole way to like when you get on the elevator. And that tension is honestly why this made level four for me. That that tension, yeah, it makes fair. level four. The pre-show's really good. And it's and then it really does depend where you count the ride fully starting. But I yeah. mean, just looking at 
before you drop uh, that movement into the twilight zone and everything like that in your ride vehicle it's it it, it is a it is, i'm sorry it's a level four it is nowhere other than a level four and before we move on to to your final is this this is your fourth one right tower of terror was my this fourth. Is your third one okay so the moment when you're moving through the fifth dim- it's the fifth dimension right or the fourth uh it's the fifth isn't it I can't remember actually. Oh my gosh. At the at the end of the nth dimension scene, when when that beam of light appears out of nowhere and the doors separate, mm-hmm. that is like visual ASMR if I've ever seen it. <laughs> I I audibly I audibly shout when I ride that and that happens because it's so cool, like you're stepping through a portal. Um but also, and you you might already know this. After riding Tower for the first time, the Magic, not the Magic Kingdom, the Hollywood Studios Tower for the first time, I found out that outside the hotel, in the queue, the ground is not flat. Like, it is tilted, so that as you're entering the hotel, you feel disoriented. But it's not, it's not exaggerated enough that you're aware of it. It's just enough that you feel kind of off balance as you're walking towards the ride. Oh my god, I did not know that. That's... Isn't that That's trippy? horrifying. That's amazingly <laughs> horrifying. But it's so, like, that's so subtle. But, like, yeah, the queue does feel kind of off, like, before you get into the actual hotel. And, and reading that, like, that makes sense. That's such a genius little, like, a tiny little tweak just to, you know, push people in the right direction. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's why that's why it's a category four, man. That's that's why it had to reach that. Everything down from apparently the floors to the cast members are made to feel you yeah. <laughs> make you feel tense and disoriented, and it there it is go. accomplished. It is it is my one of my wife's probably favorite rides. It is one I now ride because I must. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of respect and out of being told I have to, and now out of uh, marital obligation. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anyways, I think you can probably guess what my number five is. For I, category four. I honestly going into this the because the only category fours we mentioned last time were oh is it haunted mansion? <laughs> it is haunted mansion. <laughs> I was about to is, say we only talked about uh, rise and and haunted mansion last time. It's one hundred percent haunted mansion. Yeah, uh, and I think part of this goes to the respect for how difficult this was to do before. Like, with the technology that they had at the time. Mm-hmm. But I would even say, even the original Haunted Mansion, they, they improved upon it in, in World because they just had more space. But before the before all of the changes, if you even if you just count the queue, the moment you enter the stretching room, the moment you enter that building for the Haunted Mansion, it is, you are fully encapsulated in the story. It is focused on you. The entire ride vehicle is mm. focused on you. Heck, the paintings <laughs> are focused on you. They. Fo- I mentioned this in the last episode. The eyes follow you uh, due to a very popular optical illusion. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's super popular with paintings. And so the, the eyes are following you. The mansion is fully zoomed in on your person. Everything that the Imagineers did in that in that ride was to 
make you feel like you were the guest whether you wanted to be or not <laughs> and you were the center point of attention yeah yeah and and on top of that trying to balance between fun and scary which is a very hard line to do yes. because you still want people to be able to come back and you're not getting the benefit that a Tower of Terror is where it's a thrill ride. People will come back for the thrills. There's no thrill in Haunted Mansion. It's it's a it's a fun ride, and so it has to be fun. And so just having to find that balance also in the queue of all right, how creepy do we make it? How how foreboding do we want this to be? And all all of those things added together plus on top of the fact that like the world one now has this whole interactive graveyard that you can go through that is super cool and has a bunch of like background stories of the yeah. ghosts and things that are just really interesting to read which uh when i was a kid one of my family's favorite things was we would read the tombstones mm -hmm. in case because i know it's not not everybody looks at the tombstones especially in world they're like tucked in the back mm -hmm. but if you have not read those they are a hoot they are so <laughs> funny <laughs> reading them i can't remember it's like here lies cousin ed a big old rock dropped on his head i think is one of them that's the brand like they all, yeah no they, they all rhyme and they're all like funny deaths and stuff like that which is <laughs> in itself disconcerting <laughs> and so which was the point right yeah so uh it, it it made my number five one because i feel like it's probably one of the first ones to fully do this to like fully drag somebody into the ride and you feel like you're a part of the world like when when i was a kid I 100% believed I was going to die the first time I walked into that ride. <laughs> like the the guy the guy hanging from the hanging oh, yeah. from the ceiling and the scream and thunder Ooh. crash and then walking out and a ghost was going to follow me home as I was terrified. <laughs> no thanks. And even with all the singing and everything, like it still scared scared me like none other. But even even as like an adult the things that they do in the queue to just kind of build suspense and get you ready to go into the ride is it, it's it's hard enough it's it's a fantastic queue and amazing to see what they could do with what they had at the time and as well speaking of that like i mean you gotta think so haunted mansion opened <clears throat> around i know in in disneyland it opened like roughly around the same time as like pirates like, I think it opened right after Pirates. I don't know when it opened in Magic Kingdom, but it was probably in that era. Yeah, so Han Mansion opened up in uh, 69, and Pirates was in 67 in... For, for Disneyland. That's Sheesh. for Disneyland. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm not totally sure uh, when in Disney World. But, so so the 60s, late 60s, the ride that had just opened before that, at least in Disneyland, was Pirates... Which is like, it's a simple narrative that you are watching. It's a third person ride. You're just kind of watching everything happen. For them to switch from that to Haunted House, but you are, you are the main event. Like everyone in all of the ghosts, all the spirits, like they're all putting on a show for you. 
And I think that like just what a 180 from from pirates to that. And it and they pulled it off so well to, yeah. to, to make you feel like the whole time, like while you're in the stretching room, Ghost Host is telling you the story and setting the stage. And while you're on the ride, you're you're watching all of these different ghosts kind of do their thing aimed at either like scaring you or entertaining you or telling you the story. But regardless, it's for you. And the fact that they convey that from the queue and then blend it in so seamlessly with the ride by literally putting part of the queue like inside the area where the ride happens. It's great. Yeah, this this yeah. totally belongs in level four. And one of my favorite things and always has been, it's a really small detail that I love. I can't remember if it was there before the updates or after, but I'm pretty sure it's in both ones. In the stretching room, while the while the ghost host is speaking to you, he's not. They don't pump his voice out at the same level throughout the whole room. He will move, yeah, around the room. Yeah, you right. you will hear him, and it's it's sometimes pretty hard to hear, especially when there's a lot of people in the room. But if you didn't know this, next time you're in the stretching room, really train your ear. They the speakers go at alternating levels to make it sound like he's almost flying around the room. Oh, Except for when he's hanging, which I believe they pump him in full volume. Yeah, from like everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's talking to everybody uh at that point in a whisper because they want you to feel like he's behind you. And so just just the sound engineering in in is done. We we don't have to keep tout I mean we should keep <laughs> touting Han Mansion praises, but uh, I think we've done it enough. So I think we have and and looking at our time, I think uh, we've got just enough time left for everybody's favorite mouse and engineering themed segment. Mouse gear. <laughs> oh, that theme music. Isn't it? Every time every time it's so good all right i got a good one and this one was actually suggested by my wife so i can't take credit for the ride or the idea okay on this one so uh let's hear it soren Oh, going for the number geez. one level three. I'm going for a heavy hitter Sheesh. this week. Soren. Okay. So for those of you who haven't heard the other episodes, every episode uh, we take turns naming a ride or attraction, and then we both must retheme it or change it altogether or change some of the technology. We have to do something other than leave that ride the way it is. And that's what I have to do now with Soren. And I'm conflicted about that is it so is this happening to both sorens yep you don't get to keep one You're, we're changing every soren in human existence to be this ride wonderful what are you doing oh my gosh okay well my first thought is is to no matter what, update the technology to be something more like Flight of Passage, but Disney World already has Flight of Passage. So, oh, oh, this is easy. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, keep the keep the ride tech relatively similar, like kind of like a bench style seating, maybe fix it so that, you know, there aren't feet in your face. I don't know. That would be my first fix if I had uh, unlimited money. 
I would want to re-theme it to be an up-themed ride. I think the reasoning is obvious there, but following the house from, like, leaving the city and then on their journey through, like, the many different views of, of, like, the falls and then, like, the area around there and then you've got, like, the Zeppelin up in the air. That, and I don't know, honestly, maybe the ride vehicle could be more personalized like uh, Flight of Passage. But yeah, I think uh, I'll stick with the re-theme at least, definitely changing it to to an up-themed ride. I really don't want to... Well, if I could, I would just change both of them to Soarin' Over California, but that, <laughs> that seems like a cop-out, so I, I won't do that. But but yeah, all right, hit hit me with the the winner. Funny enough, the winner is the exact same one that you said. Yes! It was up. Now, there was an added caveat that I think really sells the idea. Let's hear it. So... So my wife, my wife's one was a full redo. You keep the theater, okay, but we're redoing the ride tech to be a two-seater ride vehicle. So you have multiple of these that go up together, but they're two-seaters, designed to look like Ellie and Carl's chairs, <sighs> tied to balloons that fly up with the house over the falls. That's so good. <laughs> that's that's why I had to do it. Oh, I, I couldn't not do it. That is so... Was that... So that was her idea? That was her idea. She wanted it to be two seats like the chair. Hey, Imagineers. Listen, hey, listen up. Hire her. Oh my god. <laughs> that one's yours. That's... That's... Oh, oh the, fantastic. Yeah. That's so... Yeah. No, absolutely fantastic. That would just be... Yeah, and I think... I'm, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength with Up. I was trying to think what other film or ip would be great featured from above that makes the most sense <laughs> i think you have to do up if you're gonna re-theme soren you have to do up yeah i would love them to love to see them maybe do just like a a soren like like the like kind of the haunted mansion kind of thing where they just like they do a new q video and they they do just like a limited time up thing yeah Maybe, I don't know, it might be like a cute thing for Valentine's Day or something like that, or oh. that would be kind of fun. Or, that would be really cool. Or something for like the, the flower and garden might be a really cool Ooh, one. Ooh, yeah, that but, would fit in really well. Yeah, I would love to see them do something like that, but if, if we're going to like full reskin it or full redo it, I feel like you got to take out the technology, you got to re-put it in, do two-person seats. Two-person seats as their chairs. Two-person seats. That's, mm -hmm. that's perfect. That's and it, and it makes so much sense. And it's almost like you are reliving their adventures through like their their seats, through their perspectives. That's mm -hmm. well done. Yeah, no, I, I wish I could take credit <laughs> for that one. I really do. I think that's the best idea that's been said on Honestly, here. I think so, yeah. And also the first time in our three-episode run that we have come up with the same idea. Yes, yes. I doubt that will be the last. Yeah, but... cut it out. It's yeah. no fun well, when we agree. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I've thrown down a heavy hitter, so feel feel free so to get me next week. Look out! Yeah. Yep. I I yep, know. I'll be that, ready. I mean, whenever Haunted Mansion rears its ugly head for Mouse Geared, <sighs> oh, but we got to save that one. That's that's got to be that's got to be a, a special oh, one. Man. We're really feeling just chaotic. I mean, I mean, is that just the? Do we just do that for the Halloween episode? 
that's just the episode we redesign <laughs> haunted mansion <laughs> it's a full-on hour of mouse geared where we just redesign haunted Man- honestly i i don't think that's a bad idea no that's not terrible all right well we don't need to workshop this on quote-unquote air yeah uh so i think that's t- that's time for us to that is time wrap it up this has been a yeah. g- another great discussion i think we there's always going to be things to talk about with probably a lot of these topics but i think we really got through a lot of the nitty-gritty for some of the more obscure q uh like theories topics techniques levels three oh, and yeah. four for sure i don't think we need a part three i think we yeah well, <laughs> i think i think we're good well thank you everybody for listening yeah. uh, for our third episode hopefully y'all enjoyed it hopefully it brought a little magic into either your work commute or your work day or your day or weekend <laughs> who knows what you're doing but hopefully yeah. it was a little bit better <laughs> Yeah, thank you all for listening. If you haven't listened to the last two episodes, feel free to go ahead and do that. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Anchor.fm under Main Street Mechies. Are we on any other others. platforms? I think we're on, Go- we're on Google Podcasts now. We're on Google Podcasts and now. A couple others that I, d- I don't necessarily know super well, but uh, you can check that out. We got all of those links on our Instagram, which is at Main Street Mechies on Instagram. And then, yeah, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or you interact with Apple Podcasts at all, even if you don't listen on there, we'd love to see you guys give a, give a review, give... Uh, tell us what you think about the about the show and i don't know if we see a review we'll definitely shout it out on here oh absolutely fun drop those five stars or whatever amount of stars you feel appropriate but hopefully it's five and you will really hope for five you will include accompanying critiques if it is not yes because everyone loves some good criticisms from strangers (laughs) all right well this has been a good one i I guess uh we'll we'll talk to you all next week hope you all have a, a magical day Yes, yes. And we will talk to you later. Bye, y'all.